let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, after slavery, DC paid financial restitution to former enslavers, that is, The 1862 Act that freed enslaved people in the city also compensated their former owners up to $300. Now, D.C. Council is considering moving toward paying reparations to the descendants of enslaved people. The Washington Post's Michael Bryce Sadler explains how the plan would work and how likely it is to pass. Today's Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what D.C. is talking about. So Michael, D.C. Council is about to be back in session after its summer recess, and one of the most highly anticipated bills they're going to be talking about is reparations for Washingtonians who are descendants of former slaves. Obviously, I don't need to tell you this is like a very complex topic and proposal, but what does this bill actually say? Yeah, so the first distinction is that this bill is not to decide, you know, whether D.C. residents will get reparations or not. This bill is basically creating a task force to explore what reparations might look like in the district. Even by virtue of this bill, uh, which was led by Councilmember Kenyon McDuffie having a hearing, uh, this is the furthest locally this discussion has gone. He tried to introduce this bill before back in 2020 and kind of ran out of time before it could advance through the council. Uh, So this time around, the goal is really to get a meaningful conversation started about what could reparations look like in D.C.? And this task force, it's nine members, uh, I believe five are appointed by the mayor, and they're looking for experts, academics, people who have worked in this space that could actually lay out what it might look like, who's eligible, um, what would payments look like? There's so many questions that many cities uh, who are implementing similar task forces have grappled with about what reparations should look like. What are the different moving pieces of how this is being discussed in the D.C. area? Yeah, so the biggest moving pieces really are about, like, A, who would be eligible for reparations, and then B, like, what would the form of payment be? Uh, The eligibility question is really interesting because different cities have struggled to figure out, well, should it be people who are direct descendants of slaves? Should it be people who have evidence that they were impacted by discriminatory policies that were the result of slavery. You know, so there's these questions about lineage and should it be all black people? Like there's a lot of kind of fiery opinions about what eligibility should look like. And then the form of payment also, where would the funds come from? There's so many moving parts that that's why the first step is like, let's create a commission to create a plan that we can all get behind. And then maybe we'll see what payment or restitution actually looks like. Yeah, so in terms of figuring out who has been impacted by slavery, I know that they're talking about a slavery-era database. What can you tell me about that? 
Yeah, so that's part of what this bill would require the city to do is create a database of records. Essentially, you'd want to see, all right, who was living in the city, who using clues from the past to figure out who is here living in the district that maybe is a direct descendant or, you know, has been directly impacted by discriminatory policies. So different cities have looked to similar resources as well, like what are the historic records we can lean on uh, to help figure out uh, who might be eligible for this. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. Something I was surprised to see is that the DMV, not the acronym for the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, like the actual Department of Motor Vehicles, is being brought into this conversation. This is not really a transportation issue. So why is the DMV being brought into this? Yeah, well, the main point of interest with the DMV is that's one of the potential mechanisms for revenue for this fund that McDuffie proposed initially. So the bill, the last aspect of it, in addition to the database and this task force, is to create a reparations fund that would get 0.5 of the city's annual sales tax revenue and then also 0.5% of all tickets and fees collected by the DMV, which is very interesting because we all know that's a pretty uh, great revenue source for the city in terms of traffic tickets. But as some advocates pointed out at the hearing and during discussions about this, There's a lot of data that shows that Black people in the city are the most disproportionately impacted by traffic tickets and fees. So it's like, are you really going to ask Black people, in essence, to pay for their own reparations, was the argument that was presented, to which McDuffie said, look, this is just a a first draft of this, basically. Like, this is what we want the task force to work through and figure out. What are other ways we could fund this that you're not having that dynamic play out where people are kind of paying themselves? Yeah, we just did a whole episode about the racial inequities when it comes to tickets in the city. So that's definitely a thing. I know there was a very long hearing about reparations in the spring session. What was that like? It was interesting. I mean, you saw across the board a pretty broad support for reparations in the city. But was what was most interesting, what you don't always see in D.C. council hearings, is advocates from elsewhere who literally flew in to testify in person from California, uh, from Illinois, uh, Evanston, Illinois specifically, these places where reparation studies have either recently been completed or are underway to weigh in on what worked in their cities and their jurisdictions, what type of opposition they faced, what were the things they wish they would have done differently as DC starts to build its own effort. Uh, So that was pretty fascinating to see and Like I said, across the board, most of the people who spoke were firmly in favor of reparations in the city, 
with a few people saying, you know, I don't think this is necessarily the case or necessarily needed in this day and age because there are so many programs to support people who are disadvantaged. Why do we need tougher payments as well? Was that the main point that people who spoke out against reparations made, that there are already programs to support marginalized people, so why add reparations into the mix? Basically. And I think some of those questions are like, it's, it's not fair for me to pay for, you know, the sins of my ancestors. That comes out as well. And um, you see this time and time again when these cities are debating these issues, nationally reparations, and also even when you look at national polling as it pertains to reparations, Probably speaking, Black people are very in favor of reparations, understandably so. Other races are a little more lukewarm more on it or against, with the argument being it's not fair for us to have to pay for something we personally never did. Did any proposed details come out of that session about how this would actually work? Um, I think there were some good ideas that were presented, or at least counter-arguments to the way the bill's currently crafted, that might ultimately change by the time the council votes on it. So for example, McDuffie's initial idea about uh, using some ticket and fee revenue to fund the reparations fund, uh, I could see that being adjusted to something where uh, maybe high income earners, that was one thing that was suggested, like we should use impose a tax on more wealthy people to help fund this. So I don't know ultimately what that will look like. It might stay the same, but Um, that will be a key thing to look at as this moves forward is what does this fund look like? Obviously, the fund also, it it leaves room for the city to receive gifts, donations, things like that to support the fund. But that funding element, where's the annual money coming from, will be pretty crucial. So you kind of spoke to this a little bit, but McDuffie has said that, you know, the bill's final form might look very different than when it started. Do you have any sense of, based on how that hearing went, how these different proposals might change? It's hard to say. I mean, I think we haven't really had a chance to see what lawmakers think about some of these proposals besides McDuffie, who I think was the only one who was maybe at that full nine-hour hearing or whatever it was over this. Um, Others popped in and out. So I think more ideas will emerge as this becomes a topic for the entire 13-member council. But one thing we can say is that the council is largely on board with this. Um, There were 10 co-sponsors to McDuffie's bill. So the idea of creating a task force to do this, there's broad support for it. I think that's still a different question of should the city implement reparations is is a slightly different question, and we haven't quite gotten there yet. Well, what could the impact be on racial equity in D.C. if this goes through? It's tough to say exactly without knowing what payments or restitution look like. So, for example, in Evanston, Illinois, they incorporated their uh, reparations program to be focused on housing and housing uh, restoration, helping people who were disadvantaged from buying a home or faced barriers, giving them money to purchase property or to have renovations on their homes. So it could very well look differently than, say, a direct payment or something like that. But I think in any event, it will undoubtedly advance racial equity in the city. Uh, McDuffie frequently says that if you look at basically every measure of wealth, if you look at every measure of success in the city, whether that's economic, whether that's public health, whether that's who's being targeted by police more, what have you, Black people are uh, nine times out of 10 on the wrong end of the spectrum. 
So I think any meaningful movement toward trying to get more money in people's hands to provide more opportunities, if it looks like a home ownership support or something, uh, will help because there's so much room for improvement. Let's be real, though. Even if D.C. Council does end up passing this, it would have to go to Congress for review. And I mean, do you think they're going for it? Well, that was my first question that I had for uh, McDuffie when he had a press conference ahead of this hearing, you know, really celebratory. The only thing I could think about is the fact that, you know, Congress has really showed showed its force uh, in terms of opposing some of the city's proposed policy, specifically in the realm of criminal justice over the past few months. And at the federal level, efforts toward reparations in Congress, even bills to support a task force or just to say um, this is a resolution that we support the idea of a task force have just not gone anywhere. So considering the opposition to D.C. and the fact that this has not moved at the federal level, it's a legitimate question of, you know, would this encounter some type of opposition since so many, especially right wing federal lawmakers who Uh, might oppose something like this, like to use D.C. as an example, especially around election time and we're coming up on an election year. Michael, thank you so much for being here as always. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me, Bridget. Before you go, here's some quick news. The Northeast Boundary Tunnel is completed after six years of construction. The tunnel adds 90 million gallons of storage to reduce water and sewer backups and ultimately prevent dangerous flooding on Rhode Island Avenue Northeast. Meanwhile, the Federal Inflation Reduction Act is funding the planting of thousands of trees in black and brown neighborhoods that don't currently have tree canopy. The federal money will pay for community outreach, planting of 10,000 new trees, and maintenance of 30,000 young trees. And finally, Virginia's governor has asked the Virginia Military Institute to house a Confederate statue that the army is removing from the Arlington National Cemetery. Critics say the statue whitewashes slavery and perpetuates harmful stereotypes. The Defense Department would have to approve the statue's move to VMI, and it's still unclear who would pay for the transfer. There's also an ongoing legal effort to keep the statue in Arlington Cemetery. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. Can you give me one minute? My cat just knocked over a snow globe and now they're like drinking the water, which I think is like, just one second. I'm so sorry. It's okay.